Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hello. Uh, this is Pretend World's Real People, the podcast where we interview arts workers in the film and theater industries uh, to find out about them and what they do and what they do in the biz and I, all of the things. Sometimes we don't even get to that part. We just talk about random stuff. So uh, anyways, I'm one of your hosts, Stephanie. And I'm another one of your hosts, Tyler. Correct. Uh, we are one. Yes, that's they're just two hosts. <laughs> Listen, this is the day after Christmas. Uh, Tyler spent it with family. I spent it all alone, um, but it was okay. Don't feel sad for me. Um, but she did get Chinese food. So yes, it's not a total walk. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure all I ate other than Chinese food yesterday was sugar and carbs, mostly <laughs> together. So uh, that's why things are a little wonky. Yeah, we're a little, a little loosey-goosey today. Yeah. But we're going to get through it. Yes. Um, anyways, this is actually going to be our last episode of the year, um, which is, why did you say, oh, no? Isn't that exciting? Like, we're going to have a new year That is next true. Time. That is. I'm hoping the sequel's better than yeah. the reboot we yeah, just got. Yeah, so. I think so. I think it would be great. But uh, <laughs> with that being, with this being the end of the year, uh, we actually have a guest that um, I basically told when I started, when we, oh, sorry, not when I started this podcast, when we, when, when we, we collaboratively <laughs> uh, started this podcast, um, I told this guest, uh, you have to be a guest on the show. And him being the humble man he is was like, ah! and then I made him agree to it this past weekend. So without further ado, <laughs> one of my favorite, most genuine, best friends uh, I have and adore, um, Michael Luaye. Hi, Michael. Woo! Oh, hi. Hi. Howdy. Did you like that <laughs> intro? <laughs> uh, very lovely. Yeah, very lovely intro. Yeah. Um, yeah. Michael, tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Why would I want you to be on this show? Dear Lord, how does one even answer that? <laughs> um, Let's not get existential yet. We have all the time in yeah. the world. Um, goodness. Um, hi, listeners, peoples. Uh, um, <laughs> My name is Michael Owaye. I am an actor. I've been um, acting professionally for the last seven years. I live in New York City. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is uh, there more okay. that I should be saying? More no, that I should add to I'll this? say it for you so you don't feel <laughs> like you're she'll, she'll bragging. Yeah. yeah. So um, Michael and I met in 2013 um, on this little show called Witness Uganda. Um, which was delightful, even though it was also a hot mess at times. <laughs> um, but uh, he and I became really good friends um, from that show. And I have watched his career skyrocket since then. Um, I like to give myself credit for his uh main role in the New York City scene, which was Hamilton number three 
on the Broadways uh, started out as an alternate for, uh, I'm not going to say his name right, Javier, what's Munoz. Javier, oh, thank you. Say it again. Javier Munoz. Munoz, Javier thank Munoz. you. Um, who was Lin-Manuel Miranda's understudy alternate. Then when Lin-Manuel left, Javier took over and Michael became his alternate. And then uh, Michael was too good to just be an alternate. So they were like, hey, you have to do, <laughs> you have to play the lead in the uh, West Coast tour. But then they were like, you know what? You can't even, after LA, you need to actually just come back to Broadway because Javi's done and you need to be the lead on Broadway. So, uh, and then he did that for a year and a half. Just about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, he was like, all right, I'm ready for other things. And film and TV, specifically NBC, that little uh, channel um, was like, hey, you're also really good. You should be in the film and TV world. Let's put you on this brand new show with uh, what's his name? I don't know people other than you, Jimmy Michael. Smiths. Thank you. What? With Jimmy Smith. Oh. And that's what Michael was doing until fucking COVID hit, essentially. So um, he is extremely embarrassed right now, listeners, because he doesn't like hearing his credits <laughs> and he's uncomfortable to say the least. So that's why I'm doing it. But uh, Michael, I, wouldn't you agree? I, I am like part of the reason that you got that Hamilton gig. Don't you think? Because you came to my apartment while I was living in New York and you were like, hey, help me audition for what was it? Mulligan. Uh, what's it called? The other role. Mulligan Jefferson. Thank you. Not Jefferson. Jefferson, Jefferson Mulligan. Well, Mulligan Madison. Madison. Yeah. Mulligan Madison, Jefferson Lafayette. When but I was you, auditioning with those, with those parts. Both of yeah. them? All four? At a, at a certain point, yeah. Oh, I thought it was, was just for, for like, Mulligan Madison. Start with that, like back in back 2016, I want to say that's yeah, when it was. What is time? Yeah, um, right. Back around that time, it started out with that when the show was still off Broadway. Um, and from there, of course, about a year started out to like go in for both parts. I think that they were starting to like audition people just to see where people could fit. And at a point I auditioned for both Mulligan Madison and Lafayette Jefferson and then and they were eventually like, Hamilton Burr. And then yeah. But weren't they so this is how it went from my perspective. He did, he came to we were hanging out, he was at my apartment, we were talking about this show. I was really excited for him. I didn't even I don't remember if I helped you audition like practice or not, but he was like, yeah, I'm up for the, uh, the Mulligan Madison role. And then he called me at some point in the future and was like, so I'm going to be the alternate for Hamilton. And I was like, that's not the same thing. <laughs> um, so I then also told him I was required uh, by law to be his first guest for his first uh, Broadway appearance, which actually didn't happen because your scheduled appearance uh, was for, you were always going to go on Sundays, right? Or Tuesdays. What was your night? Originally it was Sundays, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. Right. Uh, but he ended yeah. up getting thrown, like as soon as Javi heard that he knew the track, he was like, great, go on for me. I'm, I got to take the night off. And, <laughs> uh -huh. and um, so I missed it. But 
when I did finally get to go, guess who was, oh, I don't know, 15 minutes late to Hamilton because somebody told her the show was at eight o'clock and not at 730. Oh, this is what you were, okay. I remember mm-hmm. this story. So guys. I told I you was that it was being, a fuck? Yes, you did. That text went through, I guess, on my flip phone at that point. So <laughs> I, don't, I don't have receipts. That's so I don't true. have any receipts of that, so yeah. Uh. So anyways, I'm talking way too much. This is not a podcast about me. I just love Michael and he (laughs) refuses to talk about himself. So I'm talking for him. Anyways, Hmm. um, Michael, since we're already on the Hamilton topic, can you talk to us a little bit about what that trajectory was like for you? Um, And, you know, maybe some of the takeaways you got from it. Ah. Man, uh, that trajectory was unreal. Um, as I'm thinking about it right now, it's it's it, there's so many different points in time where it should not have happened. Like it should not have worked. Okay. Um, I credit, I, I, I sort of lump um, the audition process for that having one of my worst auditions ever. Um, <laughs> Because I I was because um, I, I auditioned for Mulligan I went in and I did that and everything like that the way that the sides were presented were like this like a certain amount of songs and everything like that and I did it off Broadway um, I got called back for some reason um, for the when when the show was moving to Broadway just to go on and everything like that and the format of the auditions looked exactly the same. So I was like, okay, I know this. I don't want to like overburden myself and like cram too much or whatever. So I didn't look at it for the longest time. Um, Hamilton won the Grammy, Grammy performance. Everybody's doing the thing. My auditions like the next day. Um, It was a snowy day and everything like that. Um, And I was like, yeah, this audition's tomorrow. Let me look at it. I looked at it. They changed stuff from the off-Broadway to the Broadway production. Uh, completely new shit. I did not know that. And I went into that thing and rough. It was rough, mm-hmm. it was rough, it was rough. Um, but they called me back and I auditioned and I auditioned and everything like that and went into it and eventually got the part. And it was, I mean, I still, I, I, I'm, I literally still, like I'm grateful and still processing that um, to this because it, it's it's not something that I ever saw myself doing. I, I had I had a goal at a point um, to do Burr before I like ever auditioned really for it. Um, I wanted to do Burr like in like three years. Mm-hmm. So like 2019 was mm-hmm. like kind of the goal of like the first time that I would do Hamilton. Um, and everything was just so expedited that I, my head was just kind of spinning throughout the whole process, but something that I'm very, very, um, very proud of and extremely grateful for. Um, I know. Well, and so, but that's actually- (laughs) I don't know how else to talk about it. Funny. No, well, let's talk about, so, okay. So (laughs) for people who maybe are completely unfamiliar with how Broadway works or whatever, what is an alternate, what, 
what did you have to do to prepare to jump? Like, cause you know, obviously Hamilton had already been running for a long period of time. So you were mm-hmm. not creating this character. You were filling in this, like, what, what is that process like? And, um, and then we will get to the part where you actually were Burr as well. So, but we'll let you yeah. answer. So the, an alternate standby um, is a person who there's, there's a main role, the way that the, role of Hamilton is built um, is that there's a main Hamilton and an alternate. The main Hamilton does seven out of the eight shows and the alternate does the eighth show, the the, the eighth or any show that the um, main Hamilton doesn't do is first person up um, to do any of the shows. So after the alternate, there's understudies and everything like that. But basically the alternate standby is a support system for the main uh, character and can go on at a moment's notice in the middle of the show, mm-hmm. whenever it can, whenever it happens, like you just have to be ready. So um, for my position, what happened was I entered the show and I had to, I had about seven weeks to learn the part and everything like that I was learning it in tandem with the um, Chicago Hamilton, who is now the main Hamilton now, mm-hmm. um, Miguel Cervantes. And we, we were both we were both learning it and i'm i was shadowing him and learning the part and everything and basically just getting all the information as fast as i could so that once the transition from lynn to javi happened um i would be ready to go on whenever that needed to happen yeah. and uh so and what has to happen so you learn the role and then mm-hmm. What was it you had to, you did a full run of the show, right? Uh, one day as like to confirm that you could do it all. And then was it like that night, Javi yeah. was like. So when, when, you, when you're, when you're um, learning the part and you're being plugged into the show, you have these things called put in rehearsals where you're literally putting in all of the new people or new elements into a show with the cast um, in costume, in mics and everything like that. Um, and you're running the show full through the stage management and the rest of the team are out in the audience taking notes and everything. And so that day was, um, I, I did my put in rehearsal and I did the show with the cast um, that afternoon and something had happened with Javi and that ended up being my debut. How long does it usually take for you to, to find your bearings in a situation like that? Do you get anxiety uh, at all? Or are you, you pretty uh, calm and relaxed throughout the whole process? The thing that I loved about that process was there was no, at the beginning, especially, there really wasn't any time for anxiety. I, I remember, um, and not to say that it didn't happen, but like <laughs> when I started out, I, when I found out that I got it, um, when I found out that I got the role, I was catering and my, like, I got a call from my agents and they let me know that I got the part. I finished the gig and was calling family and calling everyone. And I talked with my friend, Nick, Nick Burroughs. And I was like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't, I don't think that I have the stamina for this. I don't think I can sing this. I don't know if I can do it. And he was like, shut up. Don't psych yourself out. Mm-hmm. You've got this, you can do this, all this sort of stuff. And I really took that seriously because there really wasn't a lot of time. There was, um, 
forgetting the forgetting the dates. I think I it was maybe about a week, but like I found out that I had it, and then like the next week or so, I was starting rehearsals. So mm-hmm. there really wasn't a lot of time to like freak out about it. It's kind of just like I you're you're going to start this thing, mm-hmm. and especially at that time, it was kind of at its prime. Not to right. say that it's not still a potent show, but it was at that time where it was like a literal, literal blockbuster. I'd never mm-hmm. seen anything like that. My second day of rehearsal was back when they used to do the ham for hams, the uh-huh. um, the like the lotteries and everything like that for the sh- uh, for the tickets on Wednesdays, and the line was wrapped around from like Forty Sixth Street to like Forty like Forty Fourth, like it was. Like, 45th 44th street like it was wrapped around the block plus like a mosh pit of people like on like in front of the theater in front of like the richard rogers and scientology building but it's like everybody was like packed there i'd never seen anything like that so it's like all of that excitement and all that stuff that's happening and i remember having a conversation with our stage manager at white and the way that she put it it's like they've been kind of doing this for a bit like everybody's so excited about it and all of that excitement lives outside but in-house like everybody kind of takes care of each other so that was something that kind of eased me into a place where Mm -hmm. it's like I know that everybody is cognizant of all of that excitement and all of that craze and it's a juggernaut and people are like dressing up and all that sort of stuff but like inside everybody's doing their job (laughs) which was like a comforting thing of like no one's getting carried away by this, mm-hmm. the, the hype of it. So that was something that was really great. Yeah. Um, how would you best best describe the difference between building a role um, from scratch? Because you know, like like for when you know for Witness Uganda, um, uh, you know, you got to build that role versus stepping into the shoes of not one but two people ahead of you both of whom like had been with the show from the beginning and and kind of um they did create the role so what is that like to um what are the differences what did you like not like about it um uh so i i credit I credit a couple like the shows that I did before Hamilton um to kind of prep me for that sort of thing um sort of the concept of like sharing a role mm-hmm. um I'd never really been an understudy or a standby or an alternate up to that point um and when we did Witness Uganda Witness Uganda was like the first show that I ever had an understudy with um, our friend Roger Covered Covington, like he was my understudy for my part, but that was still kind of weird. I'd never, like, I never called out, so I always did all the shows and everything. But once we um, went off Broadway, changed the name of the show to Invisible Thread, um, we had an instance where we did have, not as structured, but we had an, um, someone who was doing the alternate position. So Griffin Matthews played the lead role of Griffin in the show uh, for Invisible Thread. And he had an alternate of Jeremy Pope um, who was playing the same role. And it was my first experience of seeing two people doing 
that sort of role in tandem mm -hmm. and sort mm -hmm. of like sharing a role. Mm -hmm. The show that I did after Invisible Thread was in Louisville, Kentucky, the show called, uh, it was a play called Cardboard Piano where um, Jamar, Jamar mm -hmm. Williams and I played, um, who was another uh, castmate in Invisible Thread, we both played the same person years apart. So he played when he was really young and I played him um, when he was an, um, an adult. And watching that experience and observing somebody else kind of like laid the groundwork of sharing a role with someone else and kind of building somebody in the present, even though you don't have the history, you don't have all the mm -hmm. stuff. The source material that I have for Hamilton is the album, but I obsessively watched like almost every night mm -hmm. <laughs> that I could um, all of the different Hamiltons that came before me. So I officially am the third Hamilton to do it on Broadway, mm -hmm. but in total, I'm number five mm. in the lineup. So you have Lynn, you have Javier, um, you have John Rula, who was understudy to um, Javier and Lynn, um, and then you had Miguel, and then there's me. So I watched all of their performances and took notes of all of that, um, listening to Lynn on the track, but then also listening to what Lynn and Javi are doing live on stage and then seeing what certain actions that they did, certain mm -hmm. moments that they had and what works for them, what works and how audience reacts to certain moments and then what doesn't work in my opinion and my own judgment mm -hmm. and then seeing how can I insert myself into that and building mm -hmm. up from that place to something that's a little bit more more my own mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I liked I, I I there there's not necessarily anything that I didn't like about it though the one thing that was kind of frustrating was I think the thing that maybe that that I at least feel about any sort of show which I feel like was the challenge of Hamilton from the jump was that it was so popular that my one fear was that uh, the audience wasn't in a the audience might not be in an unknown or listening place. Mm, it's kind mm -hmm. of like it, the show is like kind of like premeditated to be like a jukebox musical. So people come in with some assumption of knowledge that right, they right. know what the show is, right. which can be hard. And so whether it's from that point of view or expectations of me to be Lynn or Javi, um, that was a little bit of a frustrating moment. But I remember at the very top, before we actually started, um, Tommy Kale, the director of the show, had a conversation with me and Miguel and put it pretty bluntly of like, we didn't hire you to be Lynn. Mm -hmm. We hired you to bring yourself to this role. So mm -hmm. find those moments, find that within yourself. And again, like another license to just like, yeah, yes, understand that these are like the, this is the scaffolding and the things that came before you. And also you have an opportunity to bring yourself to this, so. Very yeah. cool. Well, you know, and that's so funny because I remember um, the show, when I did get to see you as an alternate in New York, um, I, you know, the cool thing about, the cool thing about being friends with people who work on Broadway is that they can get you really, really good seats for, I mean, still a lot of money, <laughs> but not nearly as much as the money that you would pay if you didn't know anyone. Um, so I was in the house seats. And so I'm surrounded by people who pay at least 500 bucks a pop, you know, for, what? especially for something like Hamilton. Holy and God. I remember at intermission, 
this woman um, sitting in front of me, I overheard her being like, oh yeah, I've seen every rendition of the Hamiltons on here. Like, I've, so she had seen the show, not just once or twice, but like five, six times, whatever, so that she could see every, and I, and I remember at the time also thinking, bitch, there are people who are dying to see this show that will probably never get to see it because they can't afford a seat in the back of the house and you can have, okay, but that was a whole different, but I remember her being like, oh, and this guy is wonderful. He's so good in this. And, and like, so it's, it, it's funny to hear because um, I, I agree with you and that Hamilton is so well known in this. And I remember I was introduced to the show from people saying definitely listen to this uh, soundtrack first because it's wrapped you you want to hear it so that you can understand what's being said when you see it um and mm -hmm. so and because like i'm usually not someone who does that like i will if i have never seen a show i don't want to listen to the music until i've seen it all together but i i did listen I to yeah i i listened to hamilton yeah. first because i was like okay i guess i should understand what's happening and um and i do i mean i'm biased so i listened to it and i loved it and then i saw you in it and i loved it even more because i just love the way you perform and i love your voice and whatever and, and i prefer your voice over what i could hear from lynn on the album but that's just my personal preference but it didn't listening to it didn't ruin the show for me because you there's so much more to that show than what's in the music that was visually present and whatever that like anybody who gets disappointed i think is not paying attention to the right things um you know so it i i hear that anxiety that you might have had but i feel like for the most part it would have been very unfounded because i think getting to see that show like people the only expectation is that it's going to be great. And I don't think I've really met anyone who's actually seen it that said, oh, no, it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't. I didn't like it. <laughs> I, I have I have heard and seen those people. And yeah. it's and that's the thing. That's one of the things that I loved about. That's another thing that I loved about the show was that it was just and with any show like mm -hmm. um, but di different with Hamilton because it's so well known is that the audience is mixed up of every type of person mm -hmm. who can come to see the show, you know, um, which I, 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 I can also say like, it's, it's um, like you're saying, like it, it was a hard ticket. So mm -hmm. mm -hmm. price-wise, like some people couldn't afford to come see it and everything. Mm -hmm. But when we did have um, some night shows and we had student shows and we like, whatever the shows were, like everybody's inside of that audience. Mm -hmm. and so it's like, you're telling the story to so many different types of people. The right. one hope is that, um, which is very idealistic, but it's just like that you're collectively present when you're doing it, like right. that exchange between the audience and the people on stage. You know? Right. right. Yeah. Um, will you sh share your story of being Hamilton and Burr in one day and how that happened and all that fun stuff? and? I'll just say I'm still really mad that I missed him being Burr, but shouldn't have been late. No, that. <laughs> this is all. <laughs> that's that's all. <laughs> oh god, <laughs> hilarious. Um, gosh, because how so did you did they? Now. When did they approach you? 
to Bieber, like, because like you, you were already the Hamilton alternate. So yeah, I was already the Hamilton alternate. There was a day when um, one of our brothers was on stage, he lost his voice, mm. and I. I I had offered to because there <laughs> back in high school there was a day we were doing this we were doing Aida and um, one of our leads um, blew out his voice something something had happened and he like he, he pulled out to the side of the road and was like yelling and stuff like that it was like a, a really like emotionally charged and like tragic moment and everything like that and he still came to the show but he lost his voice. And somebody off stage had like was singing his parts mm, for him. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and so i had in my mind like that moment and mm -hmm. had offered in the middle of the show because he was going in um our, our bird was going in and i was like i could sing the words off stage like i know them and everything like that so i don't know if that's specifically what might have planted a seed of them of consuming me in that position um but whatever way they decided to they um they had approached me to like formally learn the role and take that um position as an understudy mm -hmm. um not as an alternate because mm -hmm. <laughs> um the burrs bless them have to do all eight shows and that is a monster part Oof, so yeah. um i i was doing though that i i I'd learned the part went in and everything like that i had my put in for Burr some time before. And the one thing about a put in is like, once you do a put in, it's kind of like, oh, cause it can happen at any moment that you're mm -hmm. going on stage now. Like it's like, that's the last step. And then you're just gonna be like thrust out to like do it now because you've done the put in or whatever. Right. So they'd asked me to, um, I, I learned the part and everything. And there was a day when I was doing, there was a day that I was doing Hamilton. I knew I was doing Hamilton, how was gonna be out for the matinee show. And then for the um, evening show, he's gonna be back. So you know, I was gonna have the night off, but just in a fluke moment, our bird had to call out as well. Um, Amber, our stage manager came up and asked, do you have a bird in you? And I was like, let me think about it. And I was the primary bird understudy at that time. And there was another bird that was like in training and knew the part, but I was like, I'm kind of up for it. And it's kind of a cool opportunity to mm -hmm, do them both in yeah. one day. So did that. Um, and it was fun and crazy. And I don't remember a lot of it. <laughs> it yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It was it was really cool. And I only got to do that. I, I only got to do bird 10 times, which was again just cool. Yeah. Just yeah. Cool. yeah. Did you prefer one role over the other? Hamilton. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I wish that I could have developed Burr a little bit more, mm -hmm. but um, it was fun to do. Mm -hmm. It was, I, I, I haven't, on stage at least, um, I just, I, I, I love that sort of like, just, just mm -hmm. broken, like everything just like come out and everything like that, if I can get to that place and in any sort of expression like that and that was more afforded to hamilton than right. it was for burr burr's like right. the same thing but like masked and mm -hmm. just like not able to show it until the very end whereas like hamilton 
not necessarily shows that throughout the whole entire time. There's nuance to it, but he he has that realization that softens him mm -hmm. later on inside of the piece that isn't isn't like re like repressed, but more so like mature. Yeah. 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 Did you uh, find any major difference between being Hamilton on tour versus being Hamilton in New York City that you could voice? Um, just from just building the show up with my own company. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that was so fucking special. Mm -hmm. I'd never done that before. I'd never really like... Um, I'd never built a show up like that with a new company from the ground up um, with some other people who had their own companies before. Some of the people from the Chicago company came to um, the first national tour. Some, um, me and Rory O'Malley, who was the king on, um, who replaced um, if the, the original king. Um, Jonathan, Jonathan. Yeah, we replaced him. He came with me um, to, um sorry i'm having a moment because like <laughs> brian brian darcy james i guess is the original but like but, yeah. like he came he came to rory came to the tour with me and everything and um just building it up from the ground it, it's like just like an amalgam of all of the of all these companies and the new people who never been in it before and just seeing how that gelled together and then taking on the um the orpheum and pantages theater mm -hmm. which at the time if i'm not mistaken were the i think that those were like the two two biggest houses if not um just the pantages was the largest house the show had been in and mm -hmm. just experiencing that with the company was How just big was that was major uh, about two times the size of the Richard Rogers. Wow. So Richard Rogers is what, 1300 wow. something. Whoa. So like about two times the size. I, I hope that I'm not getting those numbers wrong, but it was, it, it was a big place Still, and it sounded huge. like yeah. it, but yeah, it was a lot of people. Wow. And there have been bigger houses now with the tour going on and reaching different places and everything like that. But at that time that was, right. that was killer. Yeah. Very cool. That is just yeah. insane. I, I I want to keep going with the Hamilton stuff, but I, I also know. want to know like <laughs> essentially how you got started. It sounded like you've been doing uh, theater, at least performing. Since you said something about you know being in a show in high school. What's your earliest memory of wanting to to do this, to be a performer, or just be in the arts? Of wanting to do it, <laughs> <laughs> of like actually want of wanting to do it. Junior year of college. That's when it was, that was when it was like, and I'm not, I'm not shitting you. Like it was something that I did. And I, I guess I feel like I say this a lot in like interviews and stuff like that. But um, I didn't, I didn't like grow up wanting to do theater or wanting to ever, like I didn't have any aspirations to be an actor. I didn't know what New York was. I didn't know what Broadway was. I didn't know about the West Coast or California or any of that. Um, I started doing theater when I moved, when we moved um, houses in Huntsville. I'm originally from Huntsville, Alabama. Oh. And um, we moved and I switched schools and went to the Academy for Academics and Arts. And it was there 
when I started doing choir and show choir and things like that. And then I did my first show, which was honk. And like, oh. I, I started doing, I started doing it there, but it was kind of like new school and like making new friends and like trying different things out. I, I used to like draw and do like sketching and stuff like that. Um, and then that was just the thing that I did for some time. Oh, okay, I, gotcha. I'm kind of like, kind of like, kind of free flowy. I don't really have like a specific thing that I wanted to do or something that I was like, I am going to become this thing when I, this is my career path and like support this sort of thing. Like I didn't have that sort of drive. I just kind of did shit. And um, when I was going to college, I got a scholarship for like a small scholarship for um, musical theater and went in for that. And then I did an apprenticeship in 2011. And that apprenticeship was like the moment where I was like, well, I credit two moments. The first show that I did in um, college, which was hair, was very, very like life altering because I'd never experienced the way that we like rehearsed that show was very emotional. And I never experienced that sort of thing. And then when I got to the apprenticeship, which was leading into my junior year of college, um, I never experienced the community aspect of it and sort of like the disillusion of like the actor ego of like self-centeredness of being an actor because yeah. when you're an apprentice, like you do everything right. for a little bit. And so like, we're like, we're doing like all of the jobs, but I loved that we were doing all the jobs. I love that we were learning how to do like build the sets and like do the, like to like do the costumes and like the props and like electric, Doing, doing lighting and like all the different elements of it. We were parking cars, we were doing the children's show, we were doing all of the stuff oh, at the same yeah. time. And for everyone to be doing that at the same time and to be learning from the people who were at that theater was really impactful. Mm -hmm. And I love that community aspect of it. Mm -hmm. and that's the thing that I kind of care about a lot whenever I do anything nowadays is like how every department is respected from not only the not only the people on stage but the people in the front of the house the ushers like everybody who's a part of it that is really special so yeah and how was junior year is the short answer to that year. question i didn't want to do any of the shit until then <laughs> <laughs> it's just yeah. it's just a solid not professionally i didn't I really want it. to yeah it's just, <laughs> Yeah. said yeah i've been i've been on stage since i was six and, right you know i think those of us who've gone into it just kind of like falling in or learning the trade as we go you just find a new yeah. you have a newfound respect for it compared to uh people who kind of go for for glory and fame but i also did want to ask you because I, I i looked you up before we did this interview uh to learn a little okay. bit more about you and you know obviously there's a crossover into into film and tv so if you can like how how much different was it trying to find your way through the film and television realm of the industry as opposed to, to theater? Was it comfortable? Was it kind of a, a, a wake-up call? No, it's, 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 it's honestly so different and uncomfortable at mm. times, definitely. <laughs> um, because it's a different speed, everything's shorter and, um, Everything is shorter, everything's smaller, and 
and I don't and I don't mean like expressive, like expression wise that like all that shit's fine, but like time wise, mm -hmm. you have less time, yeah, and you you also have to be like even more present, mm -hmm. and I'm a, I'm I'm very much. Um, used to like theater and the rehearsal process and that sort of stuff of like steeping into something and asking questions and making mistakes off or, like going 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 like that um but i like to think of it maybe i don't know if this is actually a good way to think of it but like every take feels like a show mm. oh, and you yeah. only get a certain amount of takes <laughs> so it's like you 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 get like a maybe maybe a rehearsal which is like a read through before you go on and then you you get a take and coverage is maybe on you so the camera's maybe on you or the camera's maybe on somebody else or it's maybe just like wide shot or whatever it is so like learning all of that stuff and to be very honest i love learning like being tossed in the fire and doing that sort of stuff because you kind of just like all of your nervous feelings and everything like that get mixed into actually doing the thing which eventually cools over to like like a discipline you know mm -hmm. so i love that aspect of it but it's everything is just so much faster and the autonomy is different because when you're on stage doing it um you have a certain amount of time with the creative team and the company and you're doing the rehearsal process you may have some um preview performances which is just like doing the show before you have before your opening performance and you're still able to take notes and change the show if you're doing that and then once you open the show is kind of passed on to the company and you know people front and like on and off stage and like everybody's kind of running that show by yourself and the actor has a little bit more autonomy with television and film you do it and you don't have control over the edit you don't necessarily have control over all direction, or at least I haven't reached a level where I have a lot of negotiation, negotiating power there mm -hmm. yet. Um, but it's just a very different animal. And I love them both. I'm fascinated by television mm -hmm. and film and camera work and all of that. Um, just because of the parallels of mm -hmm. it, you know, you have like, you you have <laughs> um in theater it's just like you're sitting down you have a stationary audience who's watching like something in a proscenium and everything like that whereas television and film like everything has to be brought down because the proscenium translates to the aperture and you're looking at it mm -hmm. through a smaller point of view and the camera is guiding the audience so they're no longer like necessarily stationary you're right here and then it cuts mm -hmm. right here it's moving mm -hmm. like that but how that mimics eye movement and all this stuff, it's just, it's beautiful to me, but it's very different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Why, uh, yeah. Having the opportunity to be on a show um, with someone like Jimmy Smith, who's done this for years and years, did you pick up anything <clears throat> from observing him uh, that you thought was interesting or unique so that you could like, have i don't want to say more autonomy but um necessarily but just uh something maybe that you wouldn't have thought of just being thrown in front of a camera by yourself um can you repeat that question actually sure <laughs> 
I know it's a little long-winded. Like, not, yeah. not, not, no, not, not that it was long-winded. It's just like the way that I was about to answer. I felt like I should. Sure. So, but, so yeah. since you were, you had the opportunity to to work with people who had who have been in film and TV for much longer than you have, um, and working on a show with a significant role, you you know got to not only be in scenes with these people, but kind of just be around and, and uh, watch how they work. What did you mm. pick up maybe from them that you might not have picked up if you were um, either just um, had a much smaller role or on a show where nobody was really known or whatnot? Um, what was it like kind of being with experience, if that makes sense? Yeah, um, I think that and and much credit to Jimmy, but I, I I I that whole cast was sure so great because again like different varying varying levels of experience with um with the show some people like it was their first time doing do being like a series regular some people had years of experience in awards mm -hmm. and nominations and things like that. Um, but what, what was great about watching people who had that experience was not only their comfortability to ask questions, but also just watching how they responded to the failures, like mm. messing up on it, because this, the, the, the pressure that I feel personally, um, when it comes to like doing takes, doing takes over and over again, and maybe learn these lines, like you have those down and you think you know them and then there's some like element that you didn't prepare for that just knocks you off or whatever. Um, seeing people who know that there is gonna, that there, there's gonna be mistakes and they're a little bit more seasoned to it and how they respond to that was, was very beneficial. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that was, that was something that was very useful. Um, during that time and seeing the varying like levels of it, like how they're having conversations or the questions that they're asking to make the scene make more sense mm -hmm. to like, to like shape, shape what's happening mm -hmm. to like really find out what's happening and like building the scene before the take starts and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Okay, cool. Do you since so you I don't know if that answers the question? No, I think it does. Um, <laughs> Nailed <yeah>. it. <laughs> um, so Bluff City Law was your first um, series role that so you were you know cast for a particular role for the show and you were in every I think every episode. Um, but before that, you had done some guest spots. I guess you would call. Guest I don't. Roles. Yeah, guest yeah. roles um, on uh, what the gifted she's got to have it right. and the magicians right what um do you did you this might be a stupid question um because i feel like the answer might be obvious but did you prefer do you prefer getting the chance to do those guest spots versus having a series role or is it series role all the way because at least you actually have a, a legit role and money and development and fun stuff like that um that's a neat question. I I don't, and I'm not trying to like sound like humble or anything mm -hmm. like that, but I don't necessarily have a, I didn't have a specific preference. The, mm -hmm. the series regular thing, I remember I posted about this. 
um, was like an actual like goal just because mm -hmm. of being the guest star for some of the shows that I've done, getting to see how series regulars worked again was like really neat and seeing how some people were comfortable in that space or been with the show um, all of the shows that I did were like fortunate enough to have multiple seasons so like people been with the show for some time watching how they interacted with different directors and how they're interacting mm. with their company mates and all these different things and like how they know different people and everything responding to people like that was interesting to observe um and the same thing is still available with the series regular um speaking to my experience it's still um available but the you're accountable for more mm -hmm. um because there's little time and the, your position is a little bit higher than mm -hmm. a guest star would be or like a day player or whatever somebody's mm -hmm, just there mm -hmm. for the day so i i don't necessarily have that preference i mean like if we're talking like money and stuff like that of course there's a difference mm -hmm. and like if we're choosing that like i would choose <laughs> series regular or guest star but i mean let's be fucking honest but like at the same time like i would still um, there's still something that's very beneficial with just being a guest star, just being sure. able to come in and do the thing. You know, um, one of the things that I've hungered for during this pandemic is just being able to be on a set to like learn it, mm -hmm. to like learn that environment again, mm -hmm. to be there and like be able to watch other people. That was one of the things I loved with Bluff City was that days that we weren't shooting, we would be on set and just watching other people work just like seeing what they're doing, how they're responding and everything like that, what that feel is, because you're learning what a set is. I've been doing theater since middle school, so I'm mm -hmm. pretty used to that sort of process and have only done one Broadway show, so I have that, that experience of knowing what that is personally um, and the familiarities between the, the stuff that I've done college and before that. Um, but television is new. And mm -hmm. so my brain is still trying to figure out how to connect these two different realms to make it something that I'm like, I, I have a more comfortable context with that I can play with them, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And speaking yeah. of uh, the, the pandemic and this being the last episode <clears throat> of, of the year, what, you know, putting, putting aside, you know, like the theater's being closed and then these new protocols for, uh, for, for television and filmmaking, what have you been doing, you know, during the pandemic to try and, you know, keep yourself afloat creatively or just, you know, find new, new things to do? And what do you uh, want to try and do, you know, come this next year now that vaccines are available and hopefully things start to go uh, under control a little bit more? Uh, do you have like a, a, a list of, of goals or, or a plan that you wanted to try and execute? Or is it like a free flow, just see what happens in the next couple of months kind of thing? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, if there's anything that this year has shown, it's that um, I mean, shit's unpredictable. You have no mm -hmm. idea what's going to happen. I, I, I've I've thought about it a lot. Of like, like so many so many things have been hit really hard throughout all of this, mm -hmm. um, and speaking specifically to like theater and acting and that sort of experience and everything. 
Um, I've tried to rationalize this time as like, consider considering what um, we do. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that you have to continually accept <laughs> over and over and over again and like revise and like continue to go back to is that nothing is guaranteed in this mm -hmm. business and everything like mm -hmm. that. You know, I, I, I spent a lot of time like listening to interviews and watching different things, people who um, have more of a semblance of success inside of this business and everything and mm -hmm. listening to how they talk about the peaks and valleys and the ebbs and flows of things. And these are people who have been nominated for things and people mm -hmm. who have just gotten a start and all these mm -hmm. different things. But it's like, there's no guarantee that you're gonna get another job, no matter what it is. I always say to myself, no matter whatever the fuck it is, it's like, this isn't my last job. So mm -hmm. there's a little bit of like a safety there, but then there's also having to like, keep that same energy yeah. over and over and over again throughout time. So all that to say, like, even if the pandemic didn't happen, there's no guarantee that the struggles that I've had with work weren't going to happen mm -hmm. you know i like you brace yourself of like you don't know when the next thing is going to come so you try to keep yourself busy in certain ways or whatever so for me um you know i'm still auditioning sending in self-tapes and things like that um some opportunities are a little bit more um hopeful than others and everything but that's the grab bag of the game mm -hmm. um outside of that Speaking of games, they <laughs> <laughs> oh. just play video games like mad. Right <laughs> what else do you have to do? Uh -huh. um, but like things that I would hope to do um, out of this, like I said before, um, I just I, I want to be on sets more because I don't know it, mm -hmm. and things that I don't know are things that I'm usually uncomfortable with and afraid of mm -hmm. and can get very nervous and anxious about. But on the flip side of that, it's the thing that I love because I get to be a student of this mm -hmm. thing again. And I get to learn it and I get to like fall on my ass a lot. And is it uncomfortable? Yes, my butt hurts, but I like to do it. Mm -hmm. I like to go up and like do that. So I wanna do, I wanna be on sets more. I don't know what the capacity of that is. I can't necessarily say that that's going to be on a movie, on a television set, mm -hmm. whatever it is, but I wanna be on sets to learn what that is more so. Mm -hmm. And the way that I kind of keep myself busy with that, I journal a lot, a lot. And I I like to, I, I, I like to, I have a lot of different ideas and everything like that, imagination runs and stuff. And so I've spent a lot of time trying to make, trying to imagine, like, since I can't be on a set, like writing all of the different aspects of what mm. it is to be on a set and stuff like that. So like different stories and like, what's the, how, how would I imagine the camera moving here? What like type of direction would I give or how would I write the script or those sort of things just to be involved in that world. And these are things that will more than likely never see the light of day, but it's like a nice exercise just to do things because I don't know how else to involve myself. I can watch a lot of different television shows and stuff like that, and that's fine. Um, I get, I don't know if discourage is the right word, but um, a fee maybe because the way that I would do that same thing is like 
I'm, I'm rewinding and rewinding and I'm rewinding. I'm looking for continuity. I'm like, how does this take work? And like, did, when did they shoot this thing? And like, how, like, how many times did they shoot this one angle? Okay, it's this thing and then this thing. Okay, what's the sound here? Did they do this thing in ADR? I see the mouth isn't moving the same way, but like my mind will go there. And so it's like, just to involve myself in it is that type of shit. But eventually it's like, this is, or not eventually, but like, that's, that's the way that I keep involved in it is like, doing that sort of work of like coming up with a show. What, okay, so this is the show, this is this idea, how would I do this? And I do the same thing with like anything, just trying to like imagine it. If I'm hearing like a song that I like, okay, what's the music video of this song? This is something that's not necessarily on a, like an actual music video. So this this song that I really like, how would I, how would I make this music video? How would I direct it? What are the colors? What is this story that I'm trying to tell with it? How would I shoot this angle? Who would I hire for this? Like that sort of thing. <laughs> because that's the only way that I know. Like, and like, mm -hmm. and like with the, who would I hire? It's like, what friends do I know mm -hmm. that have a certain type of style? And like, eventually what I would like to do next year. And again, this is not, this isn't the professional thing of like, I'm going to do this thing because I don't know what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. I'm entering into a year that all of us are entering into, which is like a lot of unknowns, mm -hmm. you know? And it's like, I want to get to a place where I'm having more conversations and more things, like having more conversations with people that kind of build that foundation of like, what if we're doing this thing? Not necessarily that we're going to create it, but like picking people's brains about certain stuff. Um, that's one of the gifts that I kind of gave myself for my birthday was I like asked some people like things oh, about like, just wisdoms. I you know, to send and... you that. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I was actually. That's hilarious. That's was... hilarious. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> no, that was not like an intentional thing, but like as a part of the example, but like asking like, like just different people of disciplines, people that I know and people that I don't know, like asking people like, how do they do? Because one of the things I would like to do with dancers that I know and stuff like that is just like asking them what is something like so abstract, but just like, what is movement to them? Why, mm -hmm. do, what, is it, what is their intention when they do this sort of stuff? I love, um, there's certain choreographers and people that I, I like watching and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know, I, I don't have access to them, but I know people who probably have learned their discipline and stuff. So it's like, what, how does this movement work for you? And as much as like marrying that with the stuff that I'm learning about them and stuff like that, and like building that sort of thing so that whenever the next opportunity does come, um, I'm not thinking so much about myself because nervousness that I have, especially in that medium, is a lot of like self-centered focus mm -hmm. because I'm I'm still grappling with the uncomfortability of the lack of autonomy and the mm -hmm. lack of control. And again, if this year's taught us anything, it's like we have so much less control than we Believe. think that we do. Yeah. And so yeah. if there's a way for me to be able to implement that, that I mean, that's the thing that like, the freedom that I've had in other roles and the other things that I've done, the enjoyment, the play that I've had, the excitement comes from that like perspective and awareness of like, this is not, not about me. Mm -hmm. I'm a part of it, but it's not about me. And so like trying to figure out how to bring that into camera, television, film world mm -hmm. 
and connect those two things as like the ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the jobs will be, the roles or the opportunities that other people are gonna give me, but the way that I wanna work and figure out and navigate so that I can have longevity in my career is through all of the stuff that I just said. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah. I'm smiling and trying not to laugh out loud during all of this because I feel like Tyler has now just mentally asked you to be his best friend because I, that's like who Tyler is too. <laughs> like while you're talking, I just see this, this very light smile on Tyler's face that I don't think he even realized. And he was like, oh my God, we're, we're twin flames. I understand him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, uh, and Michael, I totally thought about that video I have to do for you yesterday. I was like, oh, I'm home alone for Christmas. I could totally do it. Yeah, she totally. And then it. I didn't, but you will get one. You know, you you know you will. Great. And you're gonna love it. It's gonna be your Great. favorite one of every, all of the ones you've gotten. I'm laying claim Great. to it now. Ooh, um <laughs> Keep an eye on it. Don't yeah, worry. Tyler. Tyler can help me. It'll be great. Um, you can do so, one too, Tyler. Sure. There you go. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll do it, and I'll do it. You know, within like a couple oh, days. You do it. Shut up. You're a dick. Um, <laughs> going back to um, you had mentioned how being a series regular was a goal for you yours just because it was like you wanted that learning experience or whatever is there any other goal that you have without a timeline set to it but um something that you would like to achieve or do in the in the theater or film tv world um that you think would be a really cool learning experience another goal mm -hmm. um Like, do you want to be the one to originate the Broadway role, or do you want to be a, the lead in a movie? Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Oh, that. Do you want? Oh, do you want to star in the movie no, Legend no, of Zelda? No. No. <laughs> yes. No. no Perfect answer. No, Why not? No, Perfect answer. Why? No. Link should never have a voice. <laughs> he should never have a voice. Let's get into it. The whole purpose of the shit is so that you are the hero too. That's and you're fair. going through the journey by That's hearing fair. somebody else have the voice. It just disembodies the whole thing. So what no. if, what no. if it was, no, wait, Michael, what if it was like that Black Mirror episode where it was, it was you choose what happens next based on the thing. So like- I haven't seen that episode yet because Black Mirror gives me Anjana, but, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, 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 I know, I just, I, okay. I think that it's, I, Maybe it's just a me thing. Sure. I know that there was like talks about it like some years ago. I had mixed feelings. My roommate was excited. I resented that excitement. But <laughs> that's just me. I just feel like it, I feel like it's 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 great. Breath of the Wild two come out. Give me that. Let's have that sort of stuff. Other than that, <laughs> no. Um, I I I have weird goals. You know, I well, it's kind of like what like. Well, I'm, I, 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 I preface, I preface what I'm going to say with that. Like my, my goals were like, like I'll see somebody say something and under, like try to figure out like, what is that goal for me? So like mm. the series regular thing, like I remember I was, um, 
I, I, I made that goal when I was shooting for She's Got a Hit. And I was talking with um, the lead, DeWanda Wise, on that. And I admired what she was doing on that. And just with, this, with that and with um, the work on The Gifted and the leads in that show as well, I was just like how they're doing it. Like all of that came from watch them and observing them. I had, a, I mean, like my, again, my goals are kind of weird. I had a goal of like, I want to do a 15 hour day because mm-hmm. it was comparable to like a thing that I'd set with Hamilton, which was like that, uh, like some of the goals come from a place of fear and mm-hmm. like trying to investigate or transform that fear into curiosity. So like when I was doing Hamilton, that fear of like, I don't have the stamina for this. Mm-hmm. Then it's like, okay, what is that stamina? How do I get it? And the goal was like, I want to be able to have the stamina to do a 14 show week. Mm-hmm. If there was an, ever a time where we had like, to do two shows every day for the lead role. I want to be able to have the stamina to do that. So that's like a weird goal, but that's the type of thing that I want to do. I'm still sort of like building whatever goal I want to have with that. I feel like maybe something with writing, like, Mm. but that's, that's far off. I need to learn how Mm -hmm. to like write in that space. But I feel like I have the, I, I feel I have the like ideas or the imagination for that sort of stuff. So maybe at some point um, in the next like 10 or 15 years to like mm-hmm. do something like that. But right now I don't have anything specific outside of just wanting to be inside of the environment again. Mm-hmm. So that mm-hmm. for, for a long period of time so that um, not only I can face my fears and my nervous like feelings inside of that place, but also to, um, yeah, just get get used to it so that I'm not thinking about it. Because yeah. that point when you're not thinking about it, I, I remember um, we opened, right before we opened for, in LA for Hamilton, um, we had one preview performance, mm-hmm. <laughs> which was um, like a Friday. So we only had one preview performance before we opened the next day. And it was so loud. Mm. and very disorienting and this feeling of like, I don't know how we're going to do this the next day, but because of the experience I had beforehand of doing it for seven months on Broadway, doing it for the half a year that we did it roughly uh, in San Francisco, once we got to LA, it's like this uncomfortable feeling. Okay. But we've done this thing before I've been in stadiums. I went to the University of Alabama. I've been to the football game. So I know how that feeling is to be inside stadiums that are loud. So it's like, I, I can do this thing. You're not having to think about it of like this mm-hmm. personal thing. It's like, you've done it already. So I want to have that experience with television and film where I'm not thinking about, I'm not identifying or attaching myself to my like nervous feelings. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. want to be able to like, acknowledge that that shit's there Mm -hmm. and then be able to do my job and play Mm -hmm. and go in and be present and all that sort of Mm -hmm. shit might sound abstract might sound woo woo or whatever but like that's that's if anything that's my goal that's cool no that's awesome yeah do you okay now this is my favorite question to ask our guests um and i'm extra excited because i have my own favorite story but do you have a favorite story that you from anything you've done it doesn't have to be hamilton or or tv whatever could be any of your shows 
that's like you like to tell it's your party story it's either like a really hilarious crazy experience or a really awful um never want to do that ever again story but i like to tell it uh, anything that you can think of from any of the shows you've done or something that was like extremely meaningful to you that you just will always hold keep with you in some way or another Oh God. Okay. Um, the first two things came to mind. Okay. Uh, that come to mind. Um, the Richard Rogers. It's an old theater. Mm -hmm. It's old theater. A lot of history, all the good stuff, blah, blah, blah. Um, no matter what I would do, like I would always like, I'd like have my exercises, my warm-ups before I got to the show. But once I got into the theater, my like nose was clogged all the time. So like I had my own stuff to like get my nose cleared and everything like that. I never get nosebleeds, not in real life, mm -hmm. but for whatever reason at a specific place in the show, um, right after Quiet Uptown, which was like very emotional moment and everything like that. I'm crying and all this stuff. My son's died, all this stuff. Um, when I got off stage, I had like a little routine where I'd like blow my nose and everything like that, just to make sure like everything's clear. So I go down stage for the next thing. And I started getting nosebleeds after that number. And wow. it's a very short turnaround yeah. before like Quiet Uptown is done. And then Dear Mr. Hamilton, like all that sort of stuff. I started getting nosebleeds. Um, random performances, not very consistent. Um, once I got back to Broadway, it happened once, cleared, that was fine. It happened again on another show and it wouldn't stop. Oh no. And I had to go back on stage and I'm like trying to do all of my stuff and I can't even do my prep fully that I do before I go on to the next scene and everything like that. And so I'm like, and fuck it. Like I had to stuff like tissue up my nose and everything like that. And I'm walking on stage, can't explain it to anybody with like a dear Mr. Hamilton. Everybody's kind of looking at me and I'm like, just having to go through the scene, got through the rest of the show, which was fine. But it reminded me of a time during Witness Uganda. Yeah, when... This is going to be the story I told. <laughs> but you can tell it. Um, it there was a show when um, we we had these like metal like sheets. So they no were, like, no no they were like, metal framed <laughs> black doof um uh masking. So instead of what we call let in the theater legs, which are the black curtains that hang on the side of the stage to create the wings and all that stuff and kind of keep things from being seen, we had those, but they were made out of metal framing covered in black duvetine, which is the material. Continue, Michael. Well, um, I'm. We had a scene downstage right, um, very like cornered scene and everything like that, intense, blah, blah, blah. And I'm walking off stage and I walk off stage in a way that I've never walked off stage before. So I'm already like, this is weird. Why am I walking like this? And like, I was walking backwards for whatever reason, got off stage and I was like, this is very strange. Why am I doing this? And I turned to my left and I smacked my head into one of those things and like bust my head open a little bit. And like, I'm on the ground and everyone's like, uh, what's happening? And I have to go on stage in a little bit. And everybody like bandages me up and everything like that. I have like all these different things. I feel like it worked because I was abused in the show. Yes. But like, it, it, like, I felt like it was good, but I just remember walking on and like Griffin Matthews, um, <laughs> the lead of the show is like staring, like what the fuck just happened? <laughs> 
Um, yeah. I, that's so that's, so, that's one of the things. What are, yeah. yeah, well, that was going to be the story I was going to tell about you because um, it's my favorite, one of my favorite things. Because from my perspective, I, I was the assistant stage manager on the show. So I was backstage and I, Michael exited the side of the stage that I lived on for the most part. And I like saw him on the ground and I was like, what the hell? He's bleeding, prof- he split his left eyebrow like open so like he like scar from the lion king like just had a big old and so there's blood fucking everywhere and i'm like and i know he has to get out and michael also is one of those actors that like if he's got a job to do he's going to fucking do it he doesn't care if he's lost a limb like he's got it so he's like i gotta i he's like i gotta get the other side of stage i gotta i got another entrance and i was like michael just sit still i got and so he's like "No, no no i gotta go so he like leaves so i'm chasing him and I covered in his blood because I was like trying to see how bad it was I like get bandages all we had was a knee bandage like one of those massive rectangular bandages and so then Mike and I was like Michael sit down you have enough time to like sit and breathe for a second now that you're on the other side of the stage and he's like no I gotta get ready to go on I was like Michael So like, I'm the one that like tried to bandage him up as best as possible. And that's why, yeah. And like, and, and then thank God that scene ended inter, uh, when brought us into intermission. intermission. So we like yeah. had the chance to go into the green room and like, we sent the crew member out to get those butterfly things. And then you ended up going to the ER and getting stitches after the show was over. Right. Not stitches. Oh, okay. Um, but I did go. Yeah. But I did yeah. go to the doctors afterwards. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I remember chasing him and then in the green room, like literally having to wash his blood off my hands, which sounds so dark and disturbing, but I just, it was one of those things where it's like, you know that you're supposed to go get gloves when someone's cut, but you don't think about it because you're so like, I was, I was so worried about him. Cause I was like, does he have a concussion? Like, how did this, um, the best thing though, is that I think the next week during an understudy rehearsal, Aisha did the same fucking thing and she ran into one of those things. So I had a second actor Mm -hmm. that had like, I was like, Mm -hmm. what is wrong with you people? These have been here for weeks. Why are you running into them now? (laughs) Just happens, just happens. Yeah. But the, I, I guess the best story that I guess recently would be my last show for Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have a lot of shows that I would call perfect, but kind of kind of a philosophy of mine. And again, one of the difficult things that I'm still adjusting to with television and film. But the thing that I love about do this whole thing is that I feel like all performances are preparation for the last one mm. in a way. Mm-hmm. And I I loved. Um, because I did the show for almost three years. Um, and there's just so much packed in those years and a lot of different things that shaped my show. Um, a lot of different like physical homages that nobody who's watching the show would even know, but like things that like original castmates did that impacted me that I loved and like different moments that like my tour, co- my tour company did and things like that, that I carried back to Broadway and stuff like that. And just this kind of feeling of like, it all kind of ends here. 
and I remember there was a like when, when you do that show enough you kind of just want to get through it mm -hmm. so there's that moment like um what's your name man Alexander and the audience usually like cheers and cheers and cheers and everything like that um when Lynn did it and everything like that it happened with me and all the other people but mm -hmm. when you're doing it for so long you just kind of want to power through it and get through the show um I I didn't plow through it for the last show I actually mm. just like stood there and took it and like did like wow. let the chair go and everything like that and from that moment on like stepping onto the stage the beautiful thing is like you're never going to do these moments it's like this homage that I'm doing that I used to do with Anthony Ramos and everything like that like that that's done and like salute that I did with Chris Jackson and taking off of that and like the moments that I had with like Ruben Carball that, that I like did on tour and all different things that were just like mixed together um just ended ended there and it was just something that was really beautiful even down to the bow mm -hmm. which thankfully like one of the things that they do for some of the company mates is they um they play off like they don't do the final playoff music like music that's specially um tailored to um the person who's leaving and um they played the trailer music for breath of the wild for me mm -hmm. which i thought was i mean it's 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 a perfect video mm -hmm. I, I i love it all the time it's so good so yeah that would be my favorite i love it favorite favorites. yay yeah. good stories yeah. <laughs> and then there's also the plenty of stories where like michael falls asleep in the middle of the movie theater when we're he and i are getting to know each other and we like we're like we're gonna watch all the oscars this year and he falls asleep while i'm in the movie theater but i don't want to embarrass you or anything michael <laughs> a hard worker putting in a power nap um <laughs> you can't you can't you can't fight facts like yep. I, I don't know what it is but i i just sleep i sleep in theaters yeah like even even in shows in college i remember one of my college professors was his show was up he was doing the seagull and mm -hmm. i was i i mean i used to i used to buy candy bars and mountain dews before the show and like down those and like eat them and everything like that just to try to stay awake and would not would not work and I remember like falling asleep waking up and then that director coming up and being like so did you sleep well oh it's like yeah 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 I did <laughs> it's just a thing you know so it's not it's not it's it's nothing personal to yep. the people around me or the piece it's You're just, just comfortable a dark room. and it's dark yeah I'm a, I'm a comf I'm a comfy boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know you put out the uh, you know the the prompt for those who deliver their wisdoms uh, to you, but I do want to ask mm -hmm. you: Do you have any um, you know pieces of wisdom or advice for those, especially right now, who are either actively looking to get into you know, TV or theater or just, you know, in the arts in general, do you have any sort of, uh, you know, uh, I guess creed that you follow personally that you want to, you want to pass along to the listeners? Um, um, I 
I often try to avoid saying anything that that can like lead to like an expectation of I am this 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 piece of something is going to lead me to get a job mm-hmm. or get me to Broadway and everything like that. Um, I'm somewhat of the mindset of like who knows what tier or level this opportunity is going to be like you might get an opportunity and like shit takes time mm-hmm. um more than anything but i i guess i will say one of the things that i've been thinking a lot about recently is how um so i'm a big bruce lee fan mm. of bruce lee and um i think it's long street maybe it is he has this um one um he was on this television show and he had this moment where he talks about the art of dying which is this um the where a lot of people who know like the be water my friend mm. um bruce lee quote um comes from and paraphrasing it one of the things that he talks about is that a lot of people um paraphrasing like mad but a lot of people um are focused on the way to win but never the way to lose Mm. and so you must free your ambitious mind and learn the art of dying and what i've been thinking a lot recently is how oftentimes like you have the thing that you want to do like i want to i want to be on broadway i want to have this i want to do this i want i want this thing i want that i want that i want that um, outside of just creating the experience of desiring something that you don't have, um, I feel like there's also the recognition of the thing that you do have, not necessarily in a gratitude way, but like, or con- a way of contentment, but in the way of like, once you ask for something, you're also sort of asking for the opposite as well. And if I want this one thing, ambitiously, I want this one thing then I feel like the thing that I have to learn, because I I know that I want this thing, but the thing that I have to learn now is the patience for it. Mm -hmm. And so I know know this thing and the knowledge is a fixed thing. And I'm I'm sure about this and the security and there's comfort and I have control over it and everything. But the uncomfortable thing that I don't know and that I don't have control over or whatever is a thing that I actually have to be a student and Mm -hmm. learn this thing now. So, if there's any advice that I could give, um, especially now in a time when there is so much quick, quick, quick instant gratification, all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff, um, would be to like learn, learn, like learn, learn slowness, mm-hmm. <laughs> learn, learn, learn that, learn that these are things that take time, that it's not personal, um, whatever you're doing, and that also the the skills and the abilities that you're that you're learning inside of the context of let's say it's acting or let's say it's stage management or whatever it is that those things um are transferable to other things you know like i i i can i the the skills from empathy i have in 
that I learned from my personal life and listening and things like that. I can absolutely apply that on stage, but I can apply that to a stranger. I can apply that to like different things and everything like that. Whatever your discipline is, there's a lot of different tools that you can learn that you can bring into your field of work or that you can learn from somebody else that doesn't have your field of work that you can bring into it. There are a lot of different tools that you can just like help you along the path that you're going to or that you're attempting to succeed in. I hope that that makes sense, but um, that's what I would kind of offer because it takes time. A lot of things that you see nowadays are very, it's very fast and you're seeing the highlight reels of a lot of people and their work and how amazing it is. And some people are there and they're killing it and crushing it and everything like that. But that it, 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 if if the, if if it's if that person isn't experiencing like time right now or time before they got that success, they're going to be experiencing the time afterwards. It's like there there's stuff that they're that they they didn't account for once they received that thing or whatever. So it's just like, um, yeah, learn learn patience when you like have been like ambitious about one thing. Like maybe the thing that you're supposed to be paying attention to is like. The patience you lack, mm. you know, or the or the failure that you you're you're thinking that you're not supposed to have. The expectation is that I'm going to succeed. I'm going to succeed. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it all the time. Well, maybe you need to learn. Maybe maybe one needs to learn how to not have the thing, mm -hmm. so that when they do like, it's it's yeah, like in the things that you. Ah, anyways, like, it's just supported. Like, like yeah. success is supported by failure, yeah. you know, yeah. like it's supported by loot. And so it's like not identifying as either one, but like learning from both of them and like bringing that into what you're doing. That's what I would say. Awesome. Yeah. I love, I love the time element of it. I don't think a whole lot of people, especially in our industry and our generation right now really understand that, you know, failing, I don't want to say continuously, continuously is, uh, is, is a good thing. It's giving you you know, time, like you said, to mm -hmm. learn. And that's, that's an honestly, opportunity. It's, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Take the opportunities. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, even though you're not working on anything specific right now, or if you are, it's too secret to share. Is there anything that you'd like to promote? It doesn't necessarily have to even be do, do with anything you're doing, but like, is there a video game that you're playing that's been really helpful or a podcast you're listening to or <laughs> anything that you think more people should know about? <gasps> um, <laughs> um, you know what? I, I think that, I think kind of to push me in a way, I don't know if I will even I don't know if I will do this. I think I will, but like personal promoting thing. Like I, um, I, I there's there's like a question thing that I want to ask people and strangers um, on my social media. Um, my social media is my name, but um, I I want to ask a question just with the fucked up year that we've had. Just um, a couple things there, so maybe tune in for that. Yeah. Thing. But other than that, nothing, nothing personal to, nothing personally or professionally to promote at the moment. Um, still working or attempting to work like everybody is. Um, I will say that the one thing that has, like one thing that has given me tremendous joy recently is um, the podcast. I think it's, every, everything is alive. Uh -huh. um, it's, 
it's it's this it's a podcast where like this person is interviewing like inanimate objects as if they were like people <laughs> so it's like this person's talk like i think the first episode is a person talking to a can of soda and there's an episode where like it's talking to a grain of sand uh, or a balloon and, but it's like in a different the different context of like um like the balloon episode is a balloon that is stuck in the net for um, Hillary Clinton's inauguration. Oh my goodness. So it's like, and, and it's just like, it's there, it's just, it's just such a great show. Wow. Um, so I like, <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this show, but like first. I promote that, I yeah. guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's just, it's just a really cool thing. All right, that's um, super cool. Yeah. I love that. That sounds yeah. awesome. Yeah. Do you know? It's, does it's, the, it's really cool. Does the host do the voices and stuff for the internet? Or do, do they, no. it's like no. they hire other people? Different people. Yeah. So both Every of day. you need Every to audition show. to be a voice for an inanimate object on that show. <laughs> <laughs> kind of what to, to what I think that they take suggestions and I was thinking of some in the shower the other day. I was just yeah. like, um, there you go um different things it's, mm-hmm. it's i don't know it's just it's such a cool show and it i think the like kid in me is excited because yeah. like i like i i mean kidding me who am i kidding who am i fucking kidding I this <laughs> shit now like i like have like like i don't want to throw away that shirt or whatever because yeah. it's like it's a personal attachment yeah like, like that sort of stuff you know but um yeah that's that, amazing that show, that show speaks to me i love yeah. that I'll have to look, yeah i'll have to totally tune in that sounds hilarious um michael thank you for doing this i know you were hesitant because you're michael but i'm glad i made you because (laughs) i'm me and (laughs) um this was an amazing way to wrap up our our year podcast wise um and we're just really i'm personally really grateful for you to have you in my life but i'm also really grateful that you that did this for us because I think a lot of people are going to find it really interesting. So um, before we say goodbye, we'll plug our own stuff. Um, if you're not following us on social media already, you should be. Uh, we are at PWRP podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, we also have a Patreon page, which is uh, linked in our Instagram account. Um, so if you want to support us monetarily, check that out. Um, if you don't have the money, cause none of us do, that's totally cool, but you would like a free sticker from us. Oh, um, and you could, if you could just rate, review, like, subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you can, uh, shoot us then an email at pwrp.pod at gmail.com um, and let us know that you did one of those things um, and where you did it. We will uh, mail you a sticker to wherever, whatever location you want it to be mailed to. So if it ends up at some drug lord's house to confuse them, that's fine. Works for us. <laughs> that was not worth it. <laughs> Oh my God. I don't know. Um, you didn't, you know, you're there more often than you're at your own home. So you just want to get your sticker where What's you go. To, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you go like you pick up. I don't know what I'm doing again. All I've had is mostly sugar for the past 36 hours. So I don't know what I'm saying. anymore. If you are also addicted to sugar, like the two of us uh, and you work in the arts or would like to work in the arts and you want to share your story, we'd love to have you on the show. 
Uh, so send us an email at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. Uh, we are just looking to fill up, you know, the first half of 2021 with mm-hmm. a lot of awesome people and just keep this keep this train going. Yep. So, yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So uh, we hope that you had a really wonderful Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever else. We hope that you have a great new year. Please continue to stay safe just because good things are coming doesn't mean they're here yet. <laughs> So uh, I don't, I'm very curious, Michael, are you curious about um, the fact that there's not going to be anybody in Times Square um, on New Year's Eve? And As it should be. Right. Thank you. Um, As it should be. But if you're standing in, in, a, in a crowd of people with a diaper on, just so you can see <laughs> a ball drop that you can watch on your television, you're not starting the year off correctly. <laughs> This is this is this is a, this is a lesson for all. I love this is why I love Michael. It should be. Uh, <laughs> so yes, with that in, with that imagery in mind, uh, and if you're one of those people and you're reconsidering your life choices because you've just been shamed by Michael, no one wants Michael. to kiss you when the ball drops. No one wants to kiss you when the ball drops. Old diaper going with that too. Uh, Let's be honest. Yep, I I'm with you, Michael. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining us in 2020. We're so excited to come back in 2021. Have a happy new year. Thanks for listening. And uh, bye. Bye. Bye.